Welcome to the SMB Community Podcast with your hosts, Amy Babinchak, James Kernan, and Carl Polichuk. Produced by and for the Small Biz Thoughts community. We're dedicated to making every IT professional a successful IT professional. MSPs do battle every day against cyber hostilities such as ransomware attacks and data breaches. Fight smarter. Call in the Calvary. Gatekeeper from Calyptic Security is here. Reduce stress and implement proper safeguards as advised by the FBI, NSA, and DHS with Calyptix's purpose-driven solution for small businesses. Zero Trust Access secures RDP and SSH connections with two-factor authentication. There's no need for open ports to the internet, client installs, or VPN. Plus, you'll enjoy audit-friendly access across all types of devices. Learn more at calyptix.com gatekeeper. That's C-A-L-Y-P-T-I-X dot com slash gatekeeper. Welcome to another SMB Community Podcast. This is Carl Polichuk, and I'm joined today by Ryan Morris, who I normally see on a different podcast. Welcome, sir. Thank you very much, and welcome. Uh, thanks for bringing me into the other podcast. It's uh, We never have enough time to just chat and catch up, so this one will be excellent to dig in even deeper than we usually have time on the other platform. Although, oddly, it looks exactly the same in the recording. I know. See, that's the thing, right? When they hear our voices, people need to be reminded, this is the other this one. This is the and other one. So totally uh, Ryan different. is with uh, Morris Management Agency. Is that correct? It's Morris Management Partners. Morris Management Partners, because your wife is your partner. So Exactly. And, my, and, and the owner and the boss of the business. And we, we all know that's true. Exactly. So uh, tell us a little bit about Morris Management, and then I want to talk about um, your new new uh, podcast that you're doing. Absolutely. So, uh, so our business is a service provider of market analysis, go-to-market strategy, and then skills development for best business practices. We work exclusively in the technology industry and focus specifically on the business of the IT channel. So we spend about half of our time facing vendors and working with the vendor manufacturer companies to help them design and implement channel programs to identify, target, and recruit channel partners. And we spend a lot of time focused on building skills and programs for channel managers those folks in the industry who actually call directly on the solution provider partners that belong to a program. Uh, we, we think that that's a particularly interesting place to make a difference as all of these big companies with complex software get together. So uh, we spend about half of our time facing the vendors and about half of our time facing the channel, facing solution providers almost exclusively focused on the business side of the house, right? So where someone like you is focused on how to operate a business more effectively in the IT channel, we look at it from the perspective of strategy, go-to-market, sales and marketing, and how to maximize the financial performance of the business. So we, uh, what we like to say is that this business is unique in the spirit of we sit at the intersection of the most critical link in the go-to-market value chain, right? That it's that point of connection between the vendors who make and sell stuff 
and then the solution providers who deliver and support stuff, our job is to connect both of those groups together. And we like to say that uh, we've spent enough time over the years working in both areas that we speak the native tongue and we can tell you what those other people are likely to be saying about you when you're not in the room. So, right. uh, and uh, before the, uh, the COVID, uh, you, you are a frequent speaker at events. Uh, now yeah, you're a frequent yeah. speaker from your you know, office. Home. Yeah, and that, that's the thing, right? We, uh, we, we recognized a, a very rapid shift in the world of everybody becoming remote and working from a distance. And that was, uh, that was one of those times where I said, hey, welcome to the, to the game. Come on in. The water's great. You should learn to work remotely because we've been doing that quite literally for about 25 years. It's been that long since I had a full-time job that required me to work in an office you know, whether that's from being a sales rep or working for a large consulting firm or speaking at events, I, I spend so much time on airplanes and elsewhere that, uh, you know, when the whole wide world had to figure out all of this remote collaboration, I was like, huh, looks like that was a pretty good skill to have developed 20 years ago. Exactly. And you're one of the few people that I can say, I mean, there's a lot of people who fly more than me, but you're one of the few people that I know for a fact flew more miles in January, February, March of 2020 than I did. And I went to Thailand and Cambodia. (laughs) But, but, you know, you you flew more miles. I think I was right in the neighborhood of 50 5,000. And I think you were more than that. So. Yes, more than that. We were in, uh, we were in Germany, we were in Ireland, in Boston, in Shanghai, China. Uh, and, and that's typically been our world, right? Like, I, I never set out to do that on purpose. You know, I never sat down and said, I want to be a person who travels and speaks at events. It kind of happened very organically. But it is without a doubt, the thing I enjoy the most about what we do to go somewhere and to see the people face to face and interact with them. I I find workshops and training seminars and speaking at at, at big events. I think that's dynamic and fun and fascinating, but the fact that it's also somewhere else in a cool destination. I mean, we've been to places in the last 20 years that, that I never dreamed that I would actually go to. And yet now I've been there often enough that I could find my way without a street map. And I, I think that that's the very best part of what we do. So naturally the last year and a half was a little bit of a kick in the ass. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. we all got stuck in a hole somewhere. So I'm, I'm eager to get back out. Well, it's interesting. And, and we'll get to the topic at hand in a second, but a lot of people are saying, oh, you know, I'm going to be completely remote from now on. But you and I are like, eh, not me, man. I, I, I want to get back out there. Exactly. And, and that's the thing, right? I, I, I haven't worked full time in an office in forever, but I spend plenty of time working with clients in their offices. And when you get to show up for like three days and meet with management and do a workshop for the sales team. And, and then poof, you're out and you get to go someplace else working in somebody else's office for two or three days. That's actually quite cool and fun. And you get to learn all the politics of scheduling conference rooms and, and, and of how people treat the break room fridge in different environments. It's a, it's, you know, going to other people's places is awesome. I can't wait to do that again as well as all the hotels and event spaces and whatever that we go to. I'm, 
I'm thinking going back to the world is it's high time for that. And I'm really thinking that people are hungry to get back out there. Even if they want to work remote, they would like to work remotely with other people. Exactly. All righty. So uh, the topic today is that you have uh, joined a new podcast. It's new for you anyway. So uh, tell us about that. What is it and, uh, and what are you up to? Absolutely. So this one is, uh, I find that almost all the things I do in this industry are born of a response to a very compelling organic driver. And this one is no different. Uh, the, the podcast is actually called Secure Connections, and it is sponsored by the IOTSA community. And if you're not familiar with them, it is the IOT Security Services Association. And the podcast focuses exclusively on the dynamics of cybersecurity from both the what's happening out there and what do you need to be aware of point of view, and from the point of view of how do you actually manage in that cybersecurity world? How do you prevent things or minimize things and create a more secure environment with a very specific focus on the business implications for the IT service provider, right? Like we're, we spend a lot of time talking to vendors and software developers who create the tools and the technologies that you might use to manage your cybersecurity strategy, but the audience that we're focused on and the people that we aim to help are specifically at the service provider level. And again, while I'm not going to be the one who will give you advice on how to configure a tool or how to actually set up a switch or a router or a firewall, I know the people who do know that stuff. So I focus on the business implications and how we can actually engage our customers more effectively and ideally more profitably. So uh, I know that you work with IOTSA. Now, are they a company or a collection of companies? They are, well, so they're an independent organization that represents a collection of vendors and manufacturers who all have that stated mission of improving the results of cybersecurity solutions in the world. So uh, IOTSA is a community organization and uh, the numbers are, and you're not surprised by this because of where you come from in this world, but the numbers are kind of staggering, right? Like we're talking 25, 2,800 active participating members of the community that are all service providers and then loosely associated or member organizations that are somewhere in the neighborhood of 15,000, right? What, what it tells me is this is not a small problem and this problem is nowhere near being fixed. And so people are very, very eagerly reaching out to find new ideas, new tools and technologies that they might be able to use to make this work better, but at the same time, create some perception of competence and confidence among the end users. Because I frankly think that is the issue of our times. It's not that cybersecurity threats are happening. I mean, duh, we all know that's going on, right? I think the problem is that our end users are looking at us and saying, um, do you guys actually know what you're doing over there? Because I don't think you do know what you're doing. And that, that lack of perceived 
quality and reputation is, you know, it affects us a little bit now, but it's kind of like that water torture drip thing that if I hear another news story that says, oh, IT service providers aren't able to prevent um, any of these threats or attacks, and oh, the, the attack vectors are multiplying exponentially, and nobody is in control. I, I just think there are people out there who run businesses that are our clients, right? They have no idea how to solve cybersecurity, so they look to us to solve that, and they pay us to solve that problem for them. And yet the, every single article is another drip right on their forehead that says, wait a minute, I am getting to the point where I think you people don't know what you're doing over there. And that's concerning. So that's kind of where I approach this conversation from is let's figure it out technologically, but also let's learn to message this thing a little bit. I was more just going to say, if I were to have one wish for the industry, it would be, I don't think anybody inside this industry should use the words, well, you're going to get hit eventually. It's going to happen. There's nothing you can do. It's like, well, okay, so why should I give you any money at all? If this is a lost cause and you're just like going to guide the ship into the iceberg, why am I paying you? <laughs> exactly. Far too much of the, it's so big and so complicated, you can never fix it. So, ah, to hell with it. Throw up your hands and just admit you're never going to make it perfect. So why even try? I, I just think, you know, the, I think the best way I've heard it described, and it came up in one of the podcasts that, that I did recently, uh, a guest on who is a lawyer, he's an attorney by trade, and then has focused and specialized into the business of IT solution providers. Uh, you know, his, his comment was that we, we live in this world of, uh, of, of cybersecurity threats, and there's this perception that it's black or white. You're either secure or you're not secure. You either have solved the problem or you haven't solved the problem. And the point that he made was, it's it's a continuum. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with making a gradual incremental improvement in your social, I mean, in your cybersecurity posture. There's, there's secure, and then there's not secure, but there's a lot of room in between that says, no, I'm not going to be able to make everything perfect, but I can make it better, and I can do as well as can be done. It, I'm not looking for a magic answer. I'm looking for things to get better. And I'm really, really concerned about how many people in our marketplace, the, the ones that are supposedly the trusted advisors who look at their customers and go, not my problem, not my responsibility. You can't make me be responsible for your cybersecurity because it's too difficult. That, that to me really causes humongous credibility issues. And, right. and I think it's going to come back home in the way of, I'm not hiring you to do anything until you can solve this one basic problem. And that could come sooner than people think. It's also the case, you know, we always rail against people who charge $40 an hour, but you know what, if you're going to back off from anything that's difficult, you will be lucky to get $40 an hour, but you know, you want the 150, you have to do the difficult things. Like that's kind of like, that's your job. Absolutely. Right? I, I was reading an article the other day that said, you know, hey, 
hey, here's maybe an idea of ways that we could do this. If any application that is developed for the internet distribution, right? Anything that is cloud-based or remote and client server-based, anything that can be done there, you can write security in to the code. Authentication protocols and the, you know, just kind of at the root level of your code, build in multi-factor authentication or the encryption capabilities to protect sensitive data. That, that shouldn't be an afterthought. And, and it struck me that, you know, I think it was probably seven years ago, I was hosting a panel at a big industry event and we were talking about cybersecurity. And my question was, well, why, why do we need separate and discrete security products. Like everything from a firewall to encryption to endpoint uh, malware protection and detection. Why are those things separate functional entities and not just designed in? And one of the manufacturers that was on my panel at the time, a large well-known storage manufacturer, right? They make disks and enclosures and stuff like that. And they, they are massively influential in the business of where all of our data lives. And they were their comment was, you know what? Uh, I'm not responsible for security. I make the disks and somebody else makes it secure. And, and I think he probably wasn't prepared for my follow-up question, which was, yeah, but why? And, and why would you not just design it from the ground up to be secure? Why, why should security be a product and not just an attribute of the things that we deliver? Right. And that's finally actually starting to be part of the conversation because clearly the tools way, while it's really lucrative, is not yet actually successful or effective as you can see from all the statistics and the numbers of things going crazy, it's just not working. We're losing this battle to the bad guys and it's only going to get worse until we do something just that, that's not just a better tool, but something that is architecturally different. So do you think that the mindset of having things on site where, you know, like literally there's a server, it's in a room, it's attached to, you know, one network cable, uh, one battery backup, uh, one uh, external storage device, and, and I can secure that. That mentality uh, is something that we taught the clients to think in terms of, because we said we can secure it on this one device. Yeah, and then absolutely. the cloud happened and we said, now put your email over here and put your storage over here right? Your database is there and your line of business is in the cloud. And now we're going to distribute to the universe. Do you think the clients and more importantly, the IT service providers have shifted their mentality or are they trying to use the old mentality in a world that is completely upside down from what it used to be? I, I think you are spot on with that challenge, right? Because if, if you ask yourself any of the things we sell, why do companies buy servers from different companies than those that make storage? Why do they buy networking separate from all of the security tools? Why do they buy application tools from people that are different from database manufacturers? And the answer is because that's how we sell it to them, right? They buy pieces and parts. And the way I've always tried to understand this 
charts and help people kind of rationalize why that's inefficient. Think about, you know, we sell technology that is intended to accomplish a functional outcome for our customers, not I sell you storage so that you can store more data. That's really circular logic. I sell you storage and server network application, yada, yada, so that you can run your sales organization more efficiently, so that you can operate your accounting department more accurately and efficiently. That's what we're trying to do. In the same vein, we don't buy cars because cars are necessary. We buy them to serve a functional purpose, which we call transportation, which means go from point A to point B and back again, reliably, cost-effectively, safely, yada, yada, right? There are two ways that I could sell you a car. I could sell you the IT industry model of best of breed and independent systems, and I could send you to Napa Auto Parts and 10 other places to buy dashboards and bucket seats and fuel pumps and fuel injectors and transmissions. I could load you up with all that crap and say, okay, by the way, in addition to whatever else it is that you do for a living, now it is also your job to own and be responsible for assembling all of those pieces and parts into something that you believe is a car. That's your definition of transportation. Or I could sell you a car, hand you the keys, and you get in sit down, drive it home and enjoy yourself. Now, obviously there's complexities in there, but it's designed to illustrate that I think our industry has been stuck in the dark ages of selling pieces and parts to people who assemble pieces and parts for generations. And we just refuse to let that go. The, the basic question I always ask people is, why does your customer have an IT department? Well, because they, they rely on technology and because they use it in this and all that. No, because we sell it to them in a way that requires on-staff expertise for acquisition, integration, and operation. If we didn't sell it to them in disintegrated pieces and parts, they wouldn't have to hire anybody so, to integrate it. So that all makes sense, but quite realistically... Uh, you know, let's just say that I am a small company. I'm, you know, trying to push towards a million dollars in revenue. I got a handful of employees. I live in this world today. What should I sell? Like what, where is the big integrated, you know, thing? Or is, is part of your argument that it doesn't exist yet because the vendors haven't created it yet? Yeah, I, well, that's the thing, right? We are fighting tons of inertia of all these mega billion dollar companies who get paid for selling fuel pumps separate from transmissions. And in isolation, neither of those things actually does anything of value, right? A transmission without the rest of the pieces of a car is just a heavy chunk of metal with some moving parts inside. All of the things we sell in technology are independently pointless and yet absolutely mandatory for the system to function. So we don't yet have cars to sell, but cloud-hosted services get really close. And it requires a shift of mentality as much as it does technology that just says, to your point, I don't need to possess the device in order to leverage it for the benefit of my customer's business. 
nor do I have to be responsible for making sure that the power stays on and making sure that things work. I, I, I know you remember in the early days of the cloud, the like the big scuttle that was running around the industry was, oh, did you hear about that outage that Microsoft had with Office 365? And back then it wasn't even called 365 yet, right? Um, oh, there was an outage. It was four hours. Oh my God, you can't afford to put anything in the cloud because the cloud is unreliable. I get that those things were newsworthy and that, you know, oh, ooh, outages are important and I still see those stories. But what I know for sure is they employ thousands of technicians to focus on integration and uptime and reliability, et cetera, et cetera. And I guarantee they are better at it than we are with you, me, and my cousin who want to get involved in securing client infrastructure. They're rockets scientists advanced on that kind of functionality. And what we need to do is to learn how to use those tools more effectively. It's really just leveling up the integration conversation, right? Instead of integration, meaning I have to snap chips into a motherboard and solder the wire connectors and, and integrate the hard drive with the motherboard. That used to be our definition of integration. Now what it ought to be is I've got a cloud storage solution. I've got a cloud computing platform. I have hosted applications. And my job as an IT service provider is to help my clients stitch those things together in a local and personalized way that will help them run their businesses. So are you an advocate of buying the whole stack? You know, like here is a company and, you know, I don't know if you want me to name any companies here, but just like this company sells uh, integrated system where I can get my storage and my backup and my disaster recovery and my antivirus and my spam filtering and my email and right do, 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 like they sell everything but there's only a few companies that actually do that most yeah. of them are like oh no I want best of breed the storage is over here and the antivirus is way over there and you know so yeah well I mean what I will say is in every mature marketplace, there will always be a, a remaining, what I call a tuner audience that will insist on ultimate control of customization and configuration, right? Think about the automobile industry again. There are people who, like you and me, I buy a car because I need to go somewhere and, and then uh, I use it for that purpose, right? I'm not going to change out the hubcaps because they look better because that's not my interest. I'm not going to change out the fuel injectors because I can get 3% more productivity and power generation. I'm not going to tune up the exhaust systems because not only do they sound cool, but they produce a better thrust ratio to the car. But you know there are people out there who will do that, right? Uh, there, it's never going to be everybody buys integrated systems and just uses them, there will always be people who insist on the best of breed. Cool. Go ahead and do that. Just understand that you could buy a Toyota Corolla for about $24,000 brand new with all the warranties and everything that works. Or you can take that very same Toyota Corolla, add the whale tail and the deep scoop on the front end and aspirate the engine and do everything. And that thing will wind up costing you about $200,000. Will it outperform my Toyota Corolla? Yes, 
but is that exactly what you wanted to be doing with all of your time and money? I think that we are, as, as service providers, we're in a very interesting position to drag the industry in this direction, to be advocates of our customers, not advocates of our manufacturers, right? Think about the direction of the, the sales energy that goes on in the IT channel. Manufacturer makes a product, makes it available through distribution. They hire a bunch of resellers and integrators to go out and push that stuff to the customer and justify why it should be adopted. All of that work is flowing out from the manufacturer. I think it's about time that the solution providers, whether you are an MSP, whether you are uh, just a product reseller, whether you are somebody who has industry specialization, you need to turn around and apply the momentum back up the value chain and say, here's what my customer is trying to do. And as a result, I'm looking for something that will accomplish this purpose. If you can deliver that to me, I will buy it. If not, thank you very much, but I'm going to go buy something from somebody else. I think there's enough momentum around the mandatory adoption of technology these days. It's no longer just a good idea to have technology in your business. It's a survival imperative. Right. There's well, no let's, way, no way let's around. turn so, that around. Sadly, we're essentially out of time here. So, <laughs> yeah, what, how did that happen? <laughs> uh, so let me just... Uh, focus a tiny bit, go back to the podcast. If people want to hear more of your fun and exciting view of the world, what are they going to find on the Secure Connections podcast and where can they find the Secure Connections podcast? Excellent question, right? So the easiest way to get to it is to go to the community website, which is iotsa.com, right? So I-O-T-S-S-A a.com. And then on there, you will find a section for podcasts and panelists and things like that. So uh, you can add the slash podcast dash, podcast dash, expert dash panels, whatever, right? Or you just go to the homepage and look to the, the panel that says, this is where you find the podcast. And there we actually, um, we store everything. And about 95% of the consumption of the podcast happens through the audio side, right? www.yourfavoritesourceforpodcasts, whether it's Apple or uh, Amazon or yeah. yeah, yada, yada. You go out there and find it. Just search for Secure Connections IOTA and you will find us out there on all the podcast things. But for about 5% of the people, the website, all the recordings are there and they're audio and video. So you can see us all talk about what we're talking about and wildly gesticulate with our hands at the same time. Which is where half the fun takes place. <laughs> Very cool. All right. Well, thank you, Ryan Morris uh, from Morris Management Partners and uh, the Secure Connections podcast. We'll put links down below so people can uh, check all that out and subscribe as necessary. Thanks for being with us. This has been yet another SMB Community Podcast. Thank you for tuning in to the SMB Community Podcast. If you found this useful, interesting, or fun, please subscribe, share with your friends, and give us a thumbs up on your favorite social media. Please check out the show notes at smbcommunitypodcast.com and give us your feedback.